Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet. What Simon Sinek revealed to me. Dun dun dun. First of all, you may be saying, Karen, who is Simon Sinek? He's a thought leader, an author. And he wrote a book called Start With Why, and he was a guest on the show back in 2009. And one of the beauties of when you have time, not to make time, but the beauty of 10 years is to be able to go back and really think about it. And how does that show up in your life today? And to be really reflective about it and really to use it as a touch point. So I'm going to talk about what he revealed to me back in 2009. But before we get started, let me check in with you. So my friend, are we connected? And I want to know, do you know that every Sunday I send out a letter with love? And I write these things. (laughs) Sometimes it can be really grueling, but I write these letters and it's not a love letter, but I call it Sunday love. It's my Sunday love column. And because it's written from a place of love, it comes from my heart and I talk about the truths of life and it goes along with the show and this being the windows of possibility and the love letters, the Sunday love is letters of possibility. They're short messages and reminders about overcoming and what is possible and insights and maybe some practical coaching tools. So if you haven't signed up, there's a link in the show notes, make sure you get signed up and you'll be getting those on Sundays. And if you did sign up and you go, Oh, wait, I haven't noticed Sunday love from Corinne. It's probably in your spam folder. We get that quite a bit, or it's in your promotions if you have Gmail. So go and make sure you move it over and train your mail device to get it so that you get those emails from me. All right. Cause I really want you to have it. It's one of my gifts to you. And I get replies all the time about how timely that Sunday love message was for the reader in their life in that moment. So I don't want you to miss out. Okay. So Simon Sinek, he was on my show 10 years ago. This was back when the show was live radio. And, you know, at this point I had about three years under my belt. So I was pretty comfortable interviewing. And I probably at that point, oh yeah, 2009, I would have just an outline of the show. I didn't have my four pages of questions like I used to have when I was first starting out. So it's pretty comfortable. I was really interested in what Simon Sinek had to offer all of you. And we're going along humming. (laughs) And remember, I'm such a long ago podcaster, radio show host. The long format was totally new. It was people didn't really do it. And there'd be typically, especially you get somebody that was used to speaking a lot on the radio. They had these short sound bites, but what I would find is about after 30 minutes, we get beyond all their typical sound bites. And the way Simon did, he turned the interview onto me. (laughs) And oh my gosh, I was feeling so vulnerable. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's asking me questions and I have no answers. This is not how it's supposed to work. So there was all this mental drama, but by him doing that, 
he helped me reveal what my why is. So one of the things of his work, one of the parts of his work is that when you know your why, that can help you go through the difficult times that can help you get to the result that you want, attaining the goal that you want. And I use this all the time with my clients is they'll have a goal of what they want. I ask them what their reason why is, right? And if it's a good enough reason for them, not for me, it's never about me because with my clients, they're being the leaders of their life. It's not about, you know, approval whoring or doing what somebody else wants them to do, whether it's a spouse, a parent, somebody else. It's about really going back inside of them and what's their why and do they like it? So when he drilled down and interviewed me on my own show, we got to this place of the five-year-old in me, the five-year-old girl who was in kindergarten and was really free to be her. And she loved being her. And when she would go out to recess, was really clear about what did she want to do? How did she want to spend that time? And there'd be times, of course, she'd be playing with other kids. But this particular time that we talked about was this little girl who was tall, like the tallest girl in the class. And I think I was the third tallest person in the class. There were two boys that were taller than me. So I was tall, I had long hair. I was half Asian. So my mother looked different than everybody else. And I had these overalls that I just loved. I probably wanted to wear them all the time. And I'm sure they were bell bottom because this is the seventies. And I had this red turtleneck and my hair was flowing free. And I loved red back then. I really, really loved it. I had this red jacket that I loved too. And my cousins who had immigrated from Korea about a year or two before they had taught me Korean. So I knew Korean and my mom would always sing me this Korean song about a bunny. And I have no idea what the song is or the words anymore. But I used to love to sing that song. And I didn't care if anybody was watching. I didn't care if anybody understood or thought I was weird. Like I wasn't ashamed. Like all of my shame that I had later about different races and stuff and being different wasn't there when I was five. And I go play, I think it's called hopscotch. It's that game where you go, you know, you jump from square to square and you have one foot and then two feet and you throw a rock and you just skip the square. But I play this game and I move with no ideas of like burning calories or, oh, I must exercise so much time, you know, to be healthier. I just wanted to move and I wanted to sing my Korean song and I was just free to be me. And there I was as a five-year-old. And that was always about, that's been my why. It's about me being authentic, helping people be their authentic selves without listening to the critics in their lives and may helping them be small, right? Overcoming that. And throughout the, my years, there be, I can remember being at camp and one summer, the camp in the summer banquet, the theme that the older kids put together was free to be you and me. I mean, so this has been a constant theme in my life. And, you know, nowadays as an adult, I mean, this is the work that I do and whether it's with the aqua monsters or my clients or here on the show with you is about you being the leader of your life, you showing up authentically as you figuring out what your values are, getting clarity on what you want and checking in with whose opinion really matters. And so this all came about from what Simon Sinek kind of, he showed me, it was right in front of my face and it made sense, but in how I've been able to integrate it and implement it in my life and how it's given me direction. Because one of the things that happened after being five, and I don't know exactly where, but at some point in elementary school, I slowly lost myself. I slowly stopped 
let not worrying about what other people thought. And I cared and in some ways way too much. And I became who other people wanted me to be. And they could be friends. It could be the whole mean girl thing. It could be who my parents wanted me to be, my teachers. And I did that over time. And there was a huge cost. And I find with people that there's a huge cost to this because what happens is you lose your own ability to trust yourself. And when you lose that ability to trust yourself, you're not able to really connect with other people because you aren't sure like, oh, well, if I say this, will they like it? So then you stop saying things. So they don't get to really know the real you. They are knowing the person you're pretending to be. And then in the workplace, this becomes a problem because you may not be speaking up and the things that you may be a part of in the workplace, you may not be speaking up and sharing your wisdom, your truths, you know, your superpowers, because you're afraid of what somebody else may think. And so the project may not shine or be as helpful or be as good or high quality as it could be if you were willing to shine. So it gets in the way, both personally and professionally. And the thing I work with, with people is we have this integrated life. It's not just this work. And then there's this home. It's who we are. That's the root of it all. You know, your relationship with yourself is so, so important. And I go back to that five-year-old girl who was so, so happy, right? I was at school. I got to have my recess for the 10 or 15 minutes. I got to go and be me and do what lit me up. And there wasn't a cost to somebody else. So it's not that you have to be selfish. Like I'm always trying to get that really clear. When you are the leader of your life, it's not about like, well, to hell with the rest of you. That's puffing up and that's gladiating. And really what happened was I went, five-year-old was authentically me and over time, you know, got weighed down with who I was expected to be and what I needed to do to be accepted and to fit in. I was trying to belong, but really I was hustling to fit in as I was approval whoring. And then there was a period of time where I decided to rebel and say, screw you all. Let me show you. That's really costly too. And I found my way back to myself of me being authentically me and being comfortable with that. It doesn't mean I don't at times have doubt or my clients don't have doubt. That's not how it works. So because I know how we can get in our own way, right? When we're trying to be these other people and not be authentically us. So here's what it takes. And you're probably not going to like this because <laughs> we want this to be easy. A few weeks ago, I was doing a consult with somebody. And she's like, really? I just want a magic pill. I'm like, you've come to the wrong place. Like if you come to me, we're going to do the work and you're going to fall down and it's going to be awesome on the other side, right? It really, really well, but you have to be willing to do the work. And it's so transformative. It's so amazing to be on this other side. Like, and sometimes I forget how amazing it is until I'm talking to somebody who isn't living authentically. I sometimes stay away from that word authentic, but like really you being you, I want to know you, like you, who you are inside, not all the fluff, not all the labels, not all that other stuff, but you, I want to have that heartfelt connection with you. And you know what I'm talking about when you have those relationships and you're able to do that, or you're able in the workplace to speak your mind again, in a manner that's respectful, or you can say, Hey, I've got this idea. And I think it would be fantastic addition to this project that we're working on. And then you can do great work. That's what we want to do. We want to go and know that what we do really matters that we go to work and we feel fulfilled and we go home and we're able to create the connection and the love and the relationships that we have. And here's what it takes. The most important thing is it takes courage to be you. When I was five, it didn't take courage to be me. (laughs) 
It really didn't because I was me. I didn't have all this noise in my head of who I was supposed to be. So I allowed myself to be courageous. But then over time, there was all this cultural programming of who I was supposed to be, how I was supposed to act, what I was supposed to say, what I was supposed to look like. Because all these people's opinions came in and I didn't have a filter of saying, oh, well, that's information. Nice opinion noted. What's my opinion? I didn't know how to do that back then. I just took it on. So the courage to be you. And here's the thing, my friend, and this is so, so important. And it sounds like so cliche at times. The world really needs you, really. Because think about it. Aren't you tired of inauthentic conversations where you're sitting there talking to somebody and you can just tell they're just telling you what they think you want to hear? And how engaged are you in those conversations? You're kind of like, uh-huh, 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 and go home and, you know, those inauthentic conversations where people really aren't revealing their truths and how scary it is to reveal your truths, right? When you come to somebody and say, here's what I'm experiencing. It's scary. It's vulnerable. But that's what I really want to know is who you are, what you're thinking. And yes, I will build that container of trust so that you know that what you share with me doesn't go further. And that's a really important thing when you're sharing vulnerable stuff. But having authentic conversations are so, so important because the world wants to know what is it that you believe? Not, last thing I want to know is what you think I want you to believe, because I want to hear what your opinion is. The other thing is, is that aren't you tired of not really knowing what people are rumbling with? I was reading a book recently and the author was talking about her husband wasn't sharing his own struggles within their marriage. And then one day out of the blue, it was like, I can't do this. And she's like, well, what do you mean you can't do this? And, you know, being sideswiped like that, like not being able to have those kind of conversations of here are my expectations of a marriage and here's what's going on. And I'm not quite sure how this feels versus, oh, I'm done. I've been thinking about this for six months and I'm done, right? Letting people know what you're rumbling with or how often parents are talking with me because parenting is really hard or they may be working in a company where on the outside, the brand emphasizes a certain thing, but on the inside, there's a huge disconnect. And they're like, but wait a second, nobody's talking about the disconnect that's going on. Don't you want to have courageous conversations? (laughs) You're probably like, no, Corinne, I don't want to have those courageous conversations. Okay, let's talk about this. Don't you want the results that happen from the courageous conversations where there's better work conditions, where there's better relationships? So funny, I have this chiropractor that I go to and I'm like, as soon as he starts working on me and he does this like deep tissue release and stuff. And as soon as you start working on me, I'm like, oh, that's right. I forgot that I have to go through all this pain with you to feel better on the other end. And he was laughing. He's like, Corinne, this is not a spa. (laughs) This is why we call it sports therapy. I'm like, I always forget how painful it is to get those muscles to release and the tendons to release to then feel so much better. Because when I leave, I'm like, oh, and this is great. And I just remember how good I feel on the other end of it. And then I forget. (laughs) It's hilarious. But that's really the truth of what happens is moving through those difficult things to get the outcome. So maybe you don't want to have the courageous conversations. You're like, no way, Corinne, I don't want to have it. But what ultimately is the result you want? Do you want to be fulfilled in work? Do you want to have connected relationships? Do you want to have a relationship with yourself where you trust yourself? 
where you can listen to yourself and go, yeah, this is really what I believe. And whether other people believe it or not, this is my truth, right? Because how often are we looking for other people to validate us? Like I, I love that little Korean song about the bunny. I loved it. I sang it from the top of my lungs. I played hopscotch. I loved it. I didn't need other people to say, oh yes, Corinne, you're right. That is a worthwhile song to be singing. I wasn't asking for other people's opinions and I wasn't hurting anybody. Maybe my singing was off tone and that's okay because we were in kindergarten. Who knows if anybody was around? I don't think I was singing it really loud, but I was singing and I brought joy and I brought energy. And when I really brought my full self there, what's the energy I brought into that space? And so when you think about yourself, maybe you're not going to be singing, you know, I'm not as a 47 year old woman going to be walking into a meeting or facilitation where I'm singing these Korean songs that wouldn't be appropriate, right? And so I wouldn't be doing that. But then I think about how can I fully show up as myself? What is the energy I want to bring? The key is for you to be you without apology. I didn't apologize for who I was or what I liked or that I love those overalls with bell bottoms and my red turtleneck. I didn't apologize. I didn't apologize for playing hopscotch by myself or singing the song. I was me. I, as a five-year-old, was so powerful because I was the leader of my life. In those 15 minutes when nobody else could tell me what to do, it was like my free time away from being told what to do in the classroom. Live the life you want, not what your parents expected of you, not what your spouse may want you to do. (laughs) My kids, of course, have a life that they want me to do, which would be a total like serve them all throughout the day (laughs) to make their life easier. But that's not the life that I want to live. So there's a bit of conflict and I'm okay with that. But live the life you want to do. And when you do that and you have the courage to do that, the thing that starts to come into play is your ability to trust yourself. You're going to have to work on trusting yourself, trusting your opinion, trusting that this activity is worthwhile for you taking time to do that. And as you work on cultivating your own trust with yourself, you're also going to work on being able to trust other people. So as you show up authentically as you, you're going to be building that muscle of trust. And then the other thing that becomes a nice side benefit is this clarity. Because as you get to know what it is that you like, who do you want to be, all of that, you become clear about who you are and what's important to you. And then other people get to know that too. Instead of they're like, hmm, I'm not quite sure what she likes. Does she like this? Does she like that? Right? You become clear. So then people aren't spending brain juice on, hmm, what does she think? What's going on? They can ask you, you can give them feedback. And there's so much more clarity around that. It reduces the brain juice and the drama and the misinterpretations. So when you show up as you, you're giving people information about what you love, what's important to you, who you are, what you stand for. And yes, not everybody's going to like it, my friend. I get that. And that's okay. Because the other side is, is that do you want to have all these people in your life who are draining for you and who you may be draining? Or do you want to be with people who love you for who you are and you love them for who they are, or you enjoy being with them and knowing that like we spend so much time rethinking, rehashing conversations and back channeling versus being clear about what people want, but there takes risk to that because it's very vulnerable. 
So I want you to think about this. I invite you to think about this. Our life is not a dress rehearsal, right? We always think, oh, I've got more time. I've got more time. And then one day we're like, oh, I guess I don't. Right now I'm realizing that in a year, I'm going to be an empty nester. And it's like, whoa, how did that happen? (laughs) And I'm not sure I like it. So this is not a dress rehearsal. And as far as I know, what my beliefs are is this is the one precious life I get. So I'm constantly reminding myself, Corinne, this is your one precious life. And I think back to that little girl, that five-year-old Corinne and how she fully showed up in her life and how much joy and happiness she had. And there were hard things. It was hard. I had a hard family life. But being on that playground for 15 minutes, there was so much joy. I love that. And being myself and thinking about like, who do you want to surround yourself with? Whether they're people in your personal life or people in your professional life, what's the work that you want to do and how are you willing to show up to fully support that work? And I often think about, do you want to live a life that is fully you? And my answer is always like, hell yes, because the alternative where I'm living somebody else's life is filled with dread. So my five-year-old self was the leader of her life. And along the way, I lost myself because of what I thought I was supposed to be, who I thought I was supposed to be, and to be accepted, and the rules that I was taught along the way. And then what I've spent doing is that I made a choice to be the leader of my life. Instead of letting other people lead me, I chose to be the leader. And it's a brave choice, I get that. But in the end, the relationship I have with myself is much stronger. It's filled with love and I enjoy being me. And now it's your turn. You be the leader of your life. You be authentically you. How would your younger version self fully show up authentically? And how can you incorporate that piece of you back into your life right now where you're not worried about what the critics think? I can't tell you how many days a week somebody comes up and says, oh, but I'm worried about what this person's going to think. I'm worried about how this person's going to feel, or I don't want to hurt this person's feelings. And I have to remind them that our thoughts create our feelings. We can't hurt people unless we're like malicious and we call them out on something, you know, and call them a name. And what they've done is they've put themselves in the background. And what we need to do is put ourselves in the front and be ourselves, show up authentically. It doesn't mean we're jerks, but show up authentically as ourselves. Because again, I said this earlier and I'm saying it again, the world needs you. We need to know what is it that you believe? Who are you? What do you have to offer? What matters to you? Because you will find your people. So what Simon Sinek revealed to me 10 years ago is that my big why was helping people be themselves authentically without worrying about what other people thought. And I hope that this show has been a source for you to be you, be the leader of your life and to love yourself and to trust yourself. We're not going to do it perfectly. We're going to fail. We're going to fall down, but there's so much that we can grow from that and learn as we come our best versions of ourselves. I want you to go out and test this out on your own. Go back to that younger version of you and think about how that younger version showed up in their life and didn't worry about the other people and how you can take nuggets of that and incorporate it into your life. I'm so smiling big for you. You be you.
And remember, we are not meant to go it alone. That is one of the falsehoods of I must do it. And if I'm worthy, I'll go it alone. If you're ready to be the leader of your life and you want help with that, I've got a private coaching spot open. Apply now to let me know you're ready. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. I have an awesome opportunity for you to save your brain juice. Go subscribe to this show in iTunes or whatever medium that you use. That way the show is always there waiting for you and you don't have to waste any precious brain juice to remember of, oh, I need to go find it. Where is it? Or wait for it to download. It'll be there waiting for you. Go hit subscribe. The link is in the show notes. On a lake, she is dreaming. She is drifting. Never been so wide awake.